Hi, this is Jack Tester, and welcome to another episode of Leadership Lounge. I'm in kind of cloudy Seattle, Washington. We're at our Leadership Spotlight event here. And uh, I just had the distinct pleasure to listen to an amazing speaker, Dr. Robert Cialdini. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I feel very good about the day and uh, the audience you brought together. Thank you. We had a great morning, and, uh, you know, we learned a lot. It was really fun. And I want to talk about a little bit more about what you have done, what you've you know, learned and what you shared. Is that okay? Sure. So I'm going to introduce, because a lot of people might know who you are, because you have sold 3 million books on the subject of influence and persuasion, right, and negotiation. Right. In fact, you sold uh, your book, Influence, is one of the most influential business books ever written. I was very heartened to, to get that designation. That's, that was done by Fortune magazine. Um, also, um, you've written a new book called Persuasion, which is a revolutionary way to influence and persuade. And that's quickly become a bestseller. So that's a relatively new book. It is. And, uh, you know, I waited 30 years between the two <laughs> okay. because I didn't have an idea that was big enough yeah. for another book until the idea of persuasion came along. Right, right. Well, and just to kind of sum it up, in the field of influence and persuasion, you are the most cited social psychologist in the world today. So we've got an expert on this subject here. So I'm looking forward to uh, to talking with you and your uh, your listeners. Yeah. So let's let's go back to some of your. Uh, how did you just just really quickly? How did you become intrigued with this whole idea of influence and persuasion, so that you've really dedicated a career, a life's work to it? You know, I think it happened very early in my life. I grew up in an entirely Italian family in a predominantly Polish neighborhood okay. in a historically German city, Milwaukee, in an otherwise rural state. Okay. <laughs> and I realized that as I move from one of those domains to the other, the ways in which things got done uh, changed the norms, the customs associated with those subcultures required a different approach to influence, and it became intriguing to me to try to understand what are the differences that optimize a presentation of a case or an argument based on the circumstances surrounding that argument. The argument stays the same, but the circumstances change, and you need to deliver the the, the case differently. So, so this came to you at a young age? Yeah. Working and uh, living in Milwaukee yeah. and just navigating the subcultures of that city? Is that right? That's right. And so then did you then decide to study it? I did. I thought that was so important that, for example, I would find myself in unwanted possession of, uh, of, of things that people would sell to me or mm-hmm. I would give uh, donations to ch- causes I didn't know uh, about. And it seemed to me it must be something other than the merits of the case that got me to say yes. It must be the psychology of the way the merits were presented to me. Okay. Isn't that worth studying? So I did. So it was based on your own behavior of saying, why did I just do that? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. I've always, always found that uh, helpful to reflect back, to take a moment, yeah. uh, lean against the wall and say, what just happened there? Okay. How do I understand this? And how could I harness it myself yeah. in an ethical way okay. to produce change? Well, that's interesting. 
So you started to study it as a as a as a professor, or what? well, I went to to school as a psychology major, and okay. then to graduate school as a, a social psychology uh, student, and then as a researcher. Once I became a professor, so you decided to codify this in the book Influence. That's right, and it it came. What was the big idea of it? The big idea was that there is no single best approach to persuasion. There are at least six separately successful uh, routes, but they depend on the circumstances of the situation to determine which of those routes that you, uh, uh, that you undertake. I have a colleague uh, who's a marketing professor uh, who undertook a three-year study to find the single most effective persuasive tactic. And I, I saw him at a conference a while ago, and he said, Bob, I found it. The single most effective persuasive approach is not to have a single persuasive <laughs> approach. Not to be that's a, a fool. Yeah, yeah, that's a fool's game to think yeah. that the same approach is going to work in all situations. So there are at least six that you can uh, identify and tailor to the circumstances of the influence situation you find yourself in. Well, let's, let's just quickly, I know we don't have enough time to go through these in detail. We spent a morning talking about a lot of this stuff, right. right? So the six are, quickly, what are they? Well, the first is reciprocation. People want to give back to you to the extent that you have first given to them. Secondly is liking. People want uh, to do business and say yes to the people they like. No one would be surprised at that. Right. But it's, it was, it's surprising that two small things will increase that likelihood. Mentioning genuine similarities mm-hmm. with that individual and also complimenting that person genuinely causes liking and then causes that person to say yes. Another principle is the principle of uh, authority. People prefer to say yes to information provided that authority voices Mm -hmm. have provided that information or have recommended that information or that those products or services. Um, Another principle is what we call consensus. People decide what to do based on what, uh, on information that a lot of other people like, like them are doing this. So if a communicator, we can present that information, Mm -hmm. we win. Uh, Another is commitment and consistency. People want to be consistent with what they have already said or done. And so if we simply ask them to take a small step in our direction, they will be much more likely Mm -hmm. to take a larger step that's consistent with it because they have made a commitment earlier, even a small one. And then finally, there's scarcity, the idea that people want more of what they can have less of. There was a study in supermarkets that showed of all the promotions that they've ever run, the one that worked best was the one that said, only three items or less per person. Okay. <laughs> so that, <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. You know, I want to talk cause some of the things that, that struck me, and I took a ton of notes during your, your speech here. And uh, I love the example, just so people can kind of understand, you know, this law of reciprocity as an example. And you talked about a, a, a waitress example. Yeah. Is that right? Um, I don't know how many uh, of your listeners have ever been uh, servers in a restaurant. It's very important to get tips. And one study was shown that if a waitress put a single mint 
on the tray for each diner, mm-hmm. her her tip went up three point three percent. A single, Be- just a little, little one penny yeah. mint. Yeah, and and you know she gave them something mm-hmm. at the crucial moment they were deciding on the tip, and they gave back. Now, if she put two mints on their tray, their tip her tip went up fourteen percent. Okay, yeah, that's a big increase in living. Then yeah. it went up again, though, didn't it? Right, that's right. What happened then? Well, then there was another per- where she came back to the table with one mint on the tray for each diner, right? Mm-hmm. Left and came back and said, "You know, you're such nice guests." And she gave them a second mint instead of together, but personalizing it to them. And her tips went up twenty three percent. So that's this idea of the law of reciprocity. We give something, and then there's kind of a an obligation yeah. to to reciprocate. The key is to is to go first. Yeah, the key is to go first. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Very good. One other thing I want to I want to talk about that that you really leaned into, and you and you know you had a lot of passion around everything you were doing, but you you talked about something, um, the word FOMO. Yeah. And I want you just to, to lean into that and where that fits in this thing and what that is, because I, I found that very interesting personally. FOMO is uh, an acronym, acronym for fear of missing out. Okay. And it has to do with something that's true of all of us. That is the idea of loss aversion. We hate the idea of losing some unit of value more than uh, the idea of mm-hmm. gaining that ba- same uh, uh, unit of value is attractive to us. Uh, and that's especially true of millennials. What we found is young people are in a state of mind where they don't want to miss anything. They don't want to forego any opportunities that uh, would help them understand the world or do well. And so uh, so scarcity appeals uh, based on this is unique. This is you can't get this anywhere else. Uh, this is a, an opportunity that uh, you don't want to miss. Those are especially powerful for uh, millennials. Mm-hmm. We used an example in that actually was kind of tangential to our industry too, yeah. right? Where you talked about this idea of uh, somebody who's doing home weatherization. Right. Right. Tell so, us that story. Yeah, that was th- fascinating. Th- I love this study because it was done in in neighborhoods. Yeah. Um, people were. Uh, uh, Invited to uh, allow a, 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 an inspector to do a, a an, an energy audit, check all the weather stripping and insulation in their home, mm-hmm. and half of them were told at the end, uh, if if you do insulate fully, uh, you will save a dollar a day every day. The other half were told, if you fail to insulate fully, you will lose a dollar. Same a thing day said day. differently. Same thing. It's same dollar. Yep. But 150% more in, uh, agreed to, to insulate their homes fully based on loss mm-hmm. as opposed to gain. That's amazing. And so there's just these, this, and it's, an, it's a wonderful book. And, uh, you know, we could, we, again, we could spend a whole lot of time talking about it, but I definitely want to talk about your second book, too, mm. a little bit. Um, so I, I, I kind of want to, um, in some respects, kind of segue over, if we could. So tell us about your recent work and kind of what you really focused on, how that came to you. Because Influence was this amazing book. You waited 30 years yeah. to write the next. What was the big idea of the second book? The idea is we've always focused our 
attention and efforts of on of persuasion on what we put into our message mm-hmm. that's the first book the six things you should put into your message one or another the second book is well what do you put in the moment before you send your message that would make people more likely to agree with it before they know what's in it okay how could that be it sounds right. like magic right, right. well yeah, and you even said that, that, and I can't remember your wording, but it's what you what you focus on right before has more importance in that moment, and it can actually change a person. Elaborate on that. I'm not saying it right. Yeah, no, it's the you're getting very close to the way I would describe it, which is if we can focus people on an idea that is central to the message we are about to send, so that we put them in a, a state of mind. Mm-hmm. That's consistent with the core feature of their me- of the message we're about to hear. They will view that concept when they encounter it as more important because they've recognized that they were paying attention to this concept first, and they were readied. Okay, got it. To experience the mm-hmm. the the concept when they then encounter it in our message. So that's the idea of persuasion. You can move people in a a particular direction if you know the central focus of your message and then put people's attention on an idea that's related to the central focus. Right. They will have been readied for your message. So kind of coupling the early work you did in influence and then the the later work in persuasion, you use an example from a speaker company to talk about that. That was really... Fascinating. Why yeah. don't you, can you share that? I mean, the, I can't share the, the ads. Yeah, the boys. Yeah, the so, boys. you know, I'm a public speaker, and uh, I'm often asked, what, what music should we play uh, when you come on stage? And frequently, uh, speakers want us to, pl- uh, want to have high-energy, heavy beat, pounding, get the, the audience excited. Well, actually, I don't consider myself a motivational speaker. I consider myself an informational speaker. I want people processing my information, thinking about it, focusing on how they can employ it to do better Mm -hmm. in their business. And so what I ask to be played on to the stage with is Aretha Franklin's song, Think. I want to prime people with the concept of thinking. Right. So persuade them that way. Persuade them with music. Right. You know. That's that's really good. That's really good. And you know, there was you know, related to this story. You know, you coupled. Uh, you had a, 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 an example from. Uh, it was a manufacturer's Bose speakers. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yes. Where you were at, you coupled both of these things together. Yeah. Can you share that story? Because that that was. I think what it does is it really shows the power of of these things that you've codified both in influence and in this idea of persuasion. Can you yeah. share that? Yes. So Bose had a new product, the Bose Wave music system, that wasn't doing very well based on an initial ad that they had. Um, we changed just the words at the top of the ad mm-hmm. uh, from new. That was the one ad that wasn't working. It just said new at the it top. It just said new at the top. To hear what you've been missing and we got a 45% increase in sales. And which of the, of the influence 
principles we're using of there. course that's scarcity the idea of loss right it, if, if if you can't you, you'll miss yeah, i've been missing out you'll, on you'll, something you'll right? miss this uh, and and uh, people hate to 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 miss uh, fomo fear mm-hmm. of missing out mm-hmm. uh, and then we, the, the Bose people added another element, one, another one of our principles, the principle of authority, uh, to a third generation of the ad, where here what you've been missing was retained, but they added um, a column of testimonials from experts, okay. real, real authorities mm-hmm. in audition and technology. And that increased sales by 60%. So you're using two principles of influence, and you're persuading them actually with one of them before they even got into the ad. Yeah. Is that right? You know, both of them, here what you're missing was at the top before they were written. But the other thing is that Bose people did something smart. The the column of testimonials was down the left-hand side of the page. The first thing they saw... (laughs) Before they in entered right. into the content itself, mm-hmm. so both of those things had a persuasive co- uh, uh, consequence. That's fascinating. That's mm-hmm. fascinating. You know, I want to talk. You know, and I really appreciate you spending a little time with me here. But there was a great question that came at the end, and I know that was, we had a little. You had your presentation, and then we did kind of a Q and A. And one of the questions that I want you to elaborate is this distinction. What is ethical influence yeah. and what is, you know, sales manipulation, if you will? Because there's mm. so much of this is, you know, I, I, I know as, as I read content like this, I, I see the, you know, the, the, the law of scarcity being used and I see it when it's not accurate. Yeah. Right. So how do you address that? Because you can take what you do and use it for ill versus using it the proper way in a business. So I yes. really want you to lean into this and yes. spend some time here. You know, it's it's a very important question. It's one I, I, I have uh, wanted to spend time with because uh, we want to be not just successful. We want we want to be ethical in, in our success. Yeah. And there's a way to do both where we don't have to feel bad about, uh, you know, uh, getting good outcomes. Uh, so... Uh, the, the idea is you use these principles when they are present in the situation. If there's true scarcity, you are not just allowed to point to scarcity. It's commendable right. for you to do that because you inform people honestly of something that's of rare value. Otherwise, they go uninformed in, in a different direction. Right. Um, and uh, that happened to me when I was trying to buy a television set a while ago. Um, this, uh, I was looking at one particular set. A salesperson came up to me and said, I see you're interested in this one. Uh, it's a great deal. Uh, but I have to tell you, it's our last one. And somebody just called me and said she might come down and, and get it today. And and I bought this set immediately, even though I wasn't looking for a television set that day. <laughs> you got to use your own stuff against yes, you. Right? I'm, I'm supposed to be the doctor of influence, and I was wheeling out of the store right? <laughs> this television set. Uh, but I, I, I have to feel that... This man did me a service by telling me it was the right. last one. If he hadn't, and I had gone home to think about it and then came back the next day, and it was gone, yeah, I would have been angry at him right. for failing to tell me honestly about its true scarcity. Um, so uh, if he had made it uh, a trick, 
and he was just using right. that uh, to get me to buy, that would have been enti- that's manipulation now. Right. There was no real scarcity. He was he was manipulating me yeah. by using this principle of influence. So I went back the next day to see if there was another one. On so the you shelf. actually went to check to see. I if went he was to check. The truth. Had he gone to the s- s- storeroom and pulled another one out, or was it really the last one? Yeah, it was really the last one. Right, there was an empty space. So I went back and I wrote him a very positive review and a r- positive review for the entire um, uh, store. Yeah. So the, the what you're saying is that when when these these elements of influence are available to us and they're real. And they're real, and they're, and, they're, and, they're, and they're in people's best interest to know of them. Yeah, like you know, authority. It's yeah, good, it's good for people to know yes. who you are, so they'll listen to this yes. this podcast or, yes. with a different way than they yeah. would have otherwise. Right. right, and you know, if there is something scarce, right, let say them know. Say so. If this is the fastest growing on the market, you need to say so. Yeah. So people will say, "Oh, gee." Right, and if there are great reviews for yeah. your company. They yeah. need to know that. They need to know that. You yeah. know, they, if they need to know what's the most popular brand or what's the most yeah. popular item that, that other customers pick that's important to know that stops them from saying dithering uh, you know well should i get no oh, oh this is the most popular okay i reduce my uncertainty now i can get off the fence yeah and, and, and make a choice well then in that way it's it's you know i'm not trying to rationalize using influence because i you know there's there's i said that kind of beginning there's there's definitely this moral ambiguity that some people feel because I don't want to be salesy or it is manipulative or if I'm and because it has been used that way that's right you know and it's been used wrong that's right they're just they're focusing on the wrong kind of influence right the manipulation I think you can be um, uh, you can be instructive with yeah. those principles and tell people honestly what the uh, the the, uh, uh, the levers uh, of change that work for the customer right. may be in that situation. Very good. Well, I tell you, we've really enjoyed having you here. Your book influences helped a ton of people. I want to let people know, if they don't know this, that your book, Persuasion is available as an audio book. I yes. know that personally, because I've had that book in my car. <laughs> so it's been really nice, and uh, we sure appreciate your well, time. Well, Jack, I very much uh, enjoyed my time here and, and our uh, exchange. You thank asked you. Uh, really good questions, I no, have to we, say. Well, thank you so much, and all the best. So definitely, Influence, Persuasion, two amazing books, Robert Cialdini, an expert on influence. I hope you enjoy this. I hope you use this as an opportunity to learn more about how to use it ethically in your business because right. it can really make a difference, both on sales and we're going to talk a lot about management too. Yep. Yeah, right. Leadership. So, leadership for mm-hmm. sure. Well, thank you so very much. Mm-hmm. All right, we appreciate your time. And we appreciate you listening to another very interesting episode of Leadership Lounge. This is Jack Tester with Robert Cialdini, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks so much.